following podcast has not been rated. You're listening to Fullbacks Are People Too, The Fapt, and here is your host, C.J. Newman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fullbacks Are People Too, what is a podcast for just you, the fans. So this week, I'm going to actually approach things a little differently. I'm going to shoot from the hip myself instead of actually having a guest on this week. I'm going to talk about a few topics going on in the NFL that have occurred just this past week that have just shaken the landscape, the entire fabric of the NFL. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about the first one that happened, and that was Odell Beckham Jr. getting a huge contract in uh, New York for the New York Giants. So his contract was due to expire at the end of this year. He was on the final year of his fifth year deal. Of course, they could have franchise tagged him once, twice, and then he could have left after that. Or they could have franchise tagged him three times so they can get quarterback money on the third franchise tag. But I'm pretty sure nobody wanted to pay him $25 million to be on the team. But uh, his deal definitely, uh, it raised the bar. It raised the bar just slightly a little bit over what uh, Sammy Watkins and Antonio Brown were making. So this year, let's go ahead and say break down the, uh, I'm afraid we'll have to use math for this one. So let's break this down. He's got a signing bonus of $20 million right out of the pocket. So he left the office of the New York Giants with a $20 million check. He got $40 million guaranteed at signing. And the overall contract is five years, $90 million. So that's a five-year extension over top of this year. So this year, he's going to make a base salary of $1,459,000. The signing bonus that uh, he left with, that's going to be broken down into the first five years of his contract. He actually left with that money, but they're going to spread it out over the cap equally for five years. And uh, his cap hit will be this year five million four hundred fifty nine thousand. And if they cut him today, there will be a dead cap money of forty million nine hundred fifty nine thousand. So it's pretty interesting. The number inflates obviously next year. His salary, his base salary, goes from one million to sixteen million seven hundred fifty thousand, and his uh, cap number will be twenty one million. It uh, goes down a little bit after that. Uh, for the years after that, he goes down to fourteen million, down to fourteen five million. Uh, down to thirteen seven five million for uh, thirteen seven five million for the last year as well. So twenty twenty four, he'll be an unrestricted free agent. So if he's still producing at that point, they'll have to talk again and see if they can restructure a deal, make a new contract. Uh, they might franchise tag him. Uh, this is all going to depend. He's going to be thirty one by the time he hits free agency. It's an amazing thing that he's he's done here, which leads me to my next uh, topic here. Why are receivers agreeing to five-year deals? It's been my curiosity for the past couple of years. So Sammy Watkins actually only signed a three-year deal with Kansas City. I think that's a smart way to go, in my opinion. But also, it's I can see both sides of the fence here. So with Sammy Watkins doing that three-year deal, he's going to hit the free agent market much sooner than Odell Beckham Jr. is. Obviously, he's going to be able to make more money than Odell in the end if he continues to keep taking these three-year deals. But also, Odell is smart to take his five-year deal to shift the injury risk back to the New York Giants. So if he gets injured sometime between now and the end of uh, 2023, he's still guaranteed quite a bit of money just to sit on the bench or even sit at home if he gets completely injured. So 
it's it's smart one way to do the three year deal and just hit the market and pray that you can you're still healthy enough and producing well enough that you can once again hit the market and make another uh, three year deal with quite a bit amount of money. But at the same time, that five year deal, it's it's injury proof pretty much. So it's it's really uh, it's smart to go that way as well. So if you have a lot of faith in yourself, you'd take the three year deal and you know that you're going to keep going after that more power to you. But at the same time, it's nice to have some cushion there. So Sammy Watkins might hit that uh, free agent market again in three years. And uh, he may end up making more than Odell Beckham in his lifetime, as long as he stays healthy. But at the same time, Odell Beckham took the burden to hand. It's not a dumb idea. It's just two different ways of doing things. I think more people are going to start going the way of the three-year contract as opposed to the five-year contract. Kirk Cousins did it this offseason. He got three years uh, with, I believe it was 80 some odd million guaranteed. His entire contract was fully guaranteed. I don't know how much he left that signing with. I'll have to look that up later. But uh, these three year deals are starting to become more popular. And by the time Sammy Watkins hits the free agent market again, he's still going to be fairly young. He's not going to be anywhere near 30 and he's going to be able to cash in once again, just as long as he's producing, which Sammy, uh, has not been doing such for the past couple of years. We'll see how he does with Patrick Mahomes over in Kansas City. So let's take a look at how things are actually shaping up for the New York Giants this offseason. As I'm sure you're all aware by now, the Ben McAdoo era and the Burrow Quarium in his hair, that's officially come to an end. Pat Shermer has come in and stepped up as the head coach. He was formerly the offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings, which could also have some uh, something to do with the change of guard in Minnesota this year. We'll get on that later, maybe in this episode. Maybe I'll talk about it next week. We'll see. But uh, he brought with him Mike Shula, who was a free agent, obviously, as an offensive coordinator this year. He was with the Carolina Panthers before and uh, was unceremoniously dumped last year. Defensive coordinator is James Betcher, and the special teams coordinator is Thomas McGahey. So new coaching staff altogether, pretty much, for uh, the most part. I think they kept a few people there. There's a new general manager there, and they've uh, decided this year that they're going to go with a running back at the second uh, pick in the draft, which kind of shocked a lot of people. A lot of people weren't shocked, though. Saquon Barkley has been uh, called, and this word seems to be floating around quite a bit recently, a transcendent player. So it should be interesting to see how Saquon does on the field. He was electric in college. So we're going to see how he does as the running back uh, standing next to Eli Manning, who is returning again for yet another year as the quarterback of the New York Giants. On the offensive line, it looks like there's a bit of a shakeup there. Nate Solder was signed from the New York New England Patriots. He's going to be coming in and taking over a left tackle, which will shift Eric Flowers over to right tackle. He got a lot of criticism for letting a lot of sacks happen last year. So Eric Flowers, let's see if going to the opposite side of the tackle spectrum will help out. I've seen it happen in the past with Michael Orr on the Ravens. They switched him from left tackle to right tackle, and he was serviceable there. He was still getting a lot of holding calls and a lot of false starts, but he did a lot better as far as pass protection and run protection from the right side. So this could actually be a better fit for Eric Flowers. Otherwise, they're going to have to look to Chad Wheeler as far as the right tackle position. Interior-wise, they got Will Hernandez uh, as far as left guard. John Halapio is going to be at center. Patrick Amame, I believe is how you pronounce it, is going to be their right guard. So that solidifies their offensive line. Hopefully it solidifies it. I still have some questions about Eric Flowers. I think that might have been a first-round bust in my opinion. Tight end, Evan Ingram, he had a hell of a season last year. 
even with the offensive line being in shutters, he's still got quite a few uh, catches in production. He seems to be a good blocking tight end. I really appreciate him a lot in fantasy. If I can, I'm going to see if I can pick him up. And of course, Odell Beckham Jr. is number one on the depth chart as far as the wide receivers. And Sterling Shepard is not too far behind him as far as wide receivers. He's uh, the second one. He was a first round pick a couple years ago. And it's going to be very interesting to see how he does this year on the opposite side of Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Cody Lattimore is third on the depth chart. Then there's Hunter Sharp. Uh, the, then it just goes on to the whole bunch of nobodies at this point. At the sign, at the uh, taping of this right now, the we're about less than an hour away from cuts being officially over in the NFL. So I haven't really looked to see. I doubt any of these guys that I mentioned are going to be cut right away. So I think we're pretty safe. This will hold the test of time for the next week or so. Uh, interesting spectrum going on in the NFL with uh, the best players in the leagues just overall getting the deals that they have been wanting for the past week. Only one of the best players in the league has been holding out and did not get the contract he was looking for. And we're going to get to that in just a couple minutes. But with that said, OBJ got OB paid. Goodness, the $90 million that he got over five years is just ridiculous. I'm glad that he finally got the contract that he deserved. He didn't even hold out. He didn't have to hold out. He uh, showed up for camp. He did what he was asked to. I think there was some sort of wink and nod agreement that he wasn't going to participate in the preseason or really try too hard in the... uh, and any of the training camp activities, because that would mean that he might have to have a chance of getting injured out there. Of course, nobody wants to get hit by some sort of corner that uh, is on the opposing team of a preseason roster that is just trying to make the team and wants to make a name for himself. Oh, hey, I'm the guy who took out OBJ. You should totally keep me on the roster. So I can understand why there's probably a wink nod arrangement between the New York Giants brass and OBJ himself. And now... Let's go on to the other, one of the other contracts that happened this week. I was not expecting this one to happen, especially since he had a couple years left on his deal. But uh, the the defense killer himself, Mr. Aaron Rodgers, got paid pretty substantially. He got a four-year extension tacked on to the end of his uh, two-year left deal. He was due to make, uh, oh... Not too, not too much, honestly, left in his uh, final two years of his contract. So it's another situation where I'm surprised the team even wanted to consider it at this point because they could have squatted on him for whatever deal that he was on right now. They could have franchise tagged him. They could have franchise tagged him again because he's never been franchise tagged before. If I'm not mistaken, during his rookie contract, he sat behind Brett Favre for quite a few years. I think he only played as a starter on either the final year of his contract or the final two years of his contract. But he got paid substantially after that. I was not really surprised he got paid substantially based on uh, who he is, how he did in Cal, how he did in uh, junior college before that, how he did in his two years in the NFL winning a Super Bowl. Um, Not surprised by the first contract. I am surprised by this one, though. So he's, once again, the highest-paid quarterback in the entire league, uh, highest-paid player in NFL history. The four-year new-money contract uh, that he's going to be bringing in here, it's uh, $134 million over four years. So starting in 2020, he's going to be making that $134 million. Uh, he's got a base salary in 2020 of $1 million. Then it goes up to $14 million, then $25 million, then $25 million. He's got... Uh, 
Stewart's signing, he made fifty-seven million five hundred thousand. That's split up over five years, so eleven five million will be uh, distributed between two thousand eighteen and two thousand twenty-two. As far as the cap is concerned, he actually left with that check, so he's got a fifty-seven point five million dollar check sitting in his bank right now, probably cleared. Uh, guaranteed at signing at seventy nine thousand two hundred. I'm sorry, $79,200,000. God, I'm screwing up on the thousands and the millions today. I need to go back to school. But, uh, yeah, the total guaranteed is $98,700,000. It's quite impressive, and I'm, I'm very happy for the guy. The guy is probably the best quarterback in the entire league, bar none, in honest, my honest opinion. I don't think anybody else called Cano to him right now. Uh, not even Peyton Manning in his last couple years here. Uh, Tom Brady can. He's an asterisk anyway. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is on his downside. Drew Brees has been relying a lot more on the run game recently. And honestly, I don't blame him when you have Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram playing the ways they are. So he's the best at the moment. Uh, no question about it. And I'm glad that he got the contract that he did because sitting on that contract right now and taking a look at the actual depth chart of the roster for the Green Bay Packers. I'm not impressed other than the tight end position. Jimmy Graham is looking uh, like he's going to have a a hell of a turnaround season. He just was not utilized properly when he was in Seattle. He was utilized greatly when he was playing with Drew Brees down in New Orleans. But, um, yeah, I think him matching up with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers loves to go to his tight ends. I mean, just ask Jermichael Finley, uh, the other Rodgers that was on the team for a couple years there that got a Hail Mary catch a couple years ago. He loves to go to his tight ends. Uh, They're – Usually a check down situation, but they're a far down the field type of check down. So like four or five, sometimes even 10 yards are the check down for the system in Green Bay. It's And Jimmy Graham is pretty damn good at getting the ball and then mashing people down the field. He's not necessarily one of the best blockers, but he's going to be a weapon as far as Aaron Rodgers is concerned, just to get them back out there. He's He wasn't very happy this offseason. He lost his quarterback's coach. He lost, uh, if I'm not mistaken, his offensive coordinator. Um, not very happy about that. He also lost his wide receiver, is Jordy Nelson, one of his good friends and one of his major targets. I know Jordy was kind of injury prone for a little while there, but Jordy was also one of the guys that Aaron Rodgers trusted most to get the ball to him, targeted him a lot. You still got Devontae Adams there. I think he's actually going to be starting. He's the top number one receiver on the roster. Uh, you got Randall Cobb still there. He's going to be in the right wide receiver position. And then below that, it's a bunch of nobodies, to be honest with you. I've never heard of some of these guys. You got Allison Geronimo, uh, Trevor Davis. I've never heard of these guys. And you still have your who's who, who the hell are these guys at running back. Jamal Williams is set to start. Ty Montgomery's right behind him. He's still got a wide receiver number, number 88. Aaron Jones, and then I'm not sure how the cuts went today. But, uh... They, I do know one cut that happened, which was Aaron Ripkowski. I was pretty surprised by that one because I was. They like to have a fullback on the roster, so they must be going with Joe Carriage as far as their fullback is concerned. But yeah, Aaron Rodgers got a pretty damn good amount of money, and he's the highest paid quarterback in the league, highest paid player in NFL history right now. And only know who only knows how long that's going to last until the next person comes along and sets the line just a couple hundred thousand more than that. Maybe even a million more than that. Maybe Tom Brady finally gets some sort of decent paycheck from New England. I doubt that. Maybe Drew Brees comes back for another year and gets a one-year contract worth $30 million and 
resets the market again. Who knows? You, you never can tell in the NFL. Yeah, that's that's what's going on in Green Bay. And uh, congratulations, to Aaron Rodgers. So for those of you that don't know, typically the Friday before Labor Day weekend is what is called a bad news dump Friday. That's when a lot of releases happen. That's when bad news suspensions come about. You typically don't see many good news reactions coming by on that day in particular. However, there was some pretty damn good news for Aaron Donald, the defensive tackle for the Los Angeles Rams. He got PAID. So this is the third best uh, contract of the week. Well, it's actually the second best contract of the week, but it's the third of the transcension positions. So um, we have now the highest paid quarterback in the league, the highest paid wide receiver in the league, and now the highest paid defensive tackle in the league all in the same week getting their contracts. It is an amazing feat here. Signing bonus for Aaron Donald is $40 million. That'll be split up between the first five years of his contract, um, starting with $8 million this year, $8 million next year, $8 million the year after that, and uh, $8 million basically up until 2022. That actually is a paycheck that he received when he left the office. So all $40 million of that dollars is currently going into his uh account at the moment probably probably cleared because it's the LA Rams and they got the money. Stan Kroenke is <laughs> he's throwing out money hand over fist just to get the hell his team the hell out of St. Louis and get that stadium built. So um that was signing bonus. Guaranteed at signing is fifty million dollars. Total guaranteed is eighty six million eight hundred ninety two thousand dollars and the total terms is a six year $135 million contract. There's a potential out in 2022. Uh, there will be $8 million dead cap space right there. He, uh, something tells me that he'll be just fine, though. Uh, he's going to be standing next to, uh, on the opposite side of the defensive tackle position with Indomitian Sue. That is going to be one hell of a potent uh, up the middle defense. They got some uh, pretty decent linebackers. The corner situation is getting really interesting. They got, uh, Marcus out there at lining up at left corner. The situation with uh, Joiner at safety, it's it's going to be one hell of a defense, and Wade Phillips is still at the helm with that. One thing I've always noticed about the uh, Sean McVay out in L.A. is whenever the offense is on the field, he's doing all the play calling. That's, of course, no problem. He used to be an offensive coordinator for the Redskins back when he worked with Kirk Cousins. No problem. Sure, do that. But when the defense is on the field, he goes and sits on a water cooler and does all of his work for the offense for the next drive. Wade Phillips does all the calls, and I don't even think that Sean McVay even looks up whenever Wade Phillips has the defense on the field. It's it's kind of a weird situation. If you're a head coach, you should be interested. You should be in all of those situations. Like There's probably going to be a time this year coming up where Wade Phillips is going to uh, try to say blitz on something and your head coach is going to say, no, don't blitz on that. That's a silly move and it'll, it'll cost him a first down. You need to be able to veto something like that. He trusts Wade Phillips way too much. And I like Wade Phillips as a defensive coordinator. He's a uh, Super Bowl winning defensive coordinator. But at the same time, you're the head coach of that team. You should uh, you should be out there and be willing to actually watch the defense on the field at the very least and be able to make a uh, decision if the defensive coordinator is not able to make a, a really good one. But that's taken away from Aaron Donald right now. The man got paid. He held out a lot of this. He held out all of the preseason, just like he did last year. He was looking to get paid last year, and that just wasn't going to happen. He wasn't even in the fifth-year option yet. He was in the fourth year of his deal. They uh, 
accepted the option for the man. So he was set to make $892,000 in base salary this year. And uh, he turned that in and got paid. It's quite amazing. He's a transcendent talent. The guy is really good on the... Uh, I was thinking they were going to put him at a nose tackle, but it looks like they're going to do either a left or a right uh, defensive tackle position for him, defensive end type of deal on the 3-4 defense. But he knows how to get to the uh, quarterback from the interior position, so he's fighting against those uh, interior guards, the interior centers, and he's getting to the quarterback in more ways than one. And the guy is very powerful. He eats up a lot of space. He can stop the run. He stuffs the run, and he'll even make him go for a loss if need be. He's a damn good talent, and I'm glad that he got paid as well. You got to think, though, if you're Aaron Donald in this offseason and you see some of these moves that are being made as far as contracts are concerned, anything about it, they brought in Indomica Sue to play the nose tackle position. Um, they paid him pretty damn good money to come in and pay, and that money could have went towards his contract. Uh, you got to think that they brought in Brandon Cooks uh, by via trade for a first-round pick. I believe it's next year's first round pick. And then they paid him as well without him ever even stepping on the field and becoming a receiver for the LA Rams. You got to figure that irritated him too. Cause that money could have been put towards his contract. And then I think the cherry on top for the, the pissed off Aaron Donald would have been the Todd Gurley situation where they just paid the man when he's not even due to come into his fifth year option yet. So all this money could have went towards the contract, but they somehow still maneuvered the cap to where they could still pay Aaron Donald and have him be the highest paid at the time uh, defensive player in NFL history. Oof, uh, that was uh, a hell of a offseason for the L.A. Rams. I'm not surprised that they're trying to win the battle and try to get all these people to come and watch their games as opposed to the L.A. Chargers. But damn, they spent a lot of money this offseason. And before we get to the biggest and probably the most surprising contract of the week that was signed, we should go over two of the uh, major cuts that have already happened as far as preseason is concerned, going down to the final 53-man rosters. Uh, one of the major cuts that has happened is Dan Bailey is no longer with the Dallas Cowboys. He was with the Dallas Cowboys for many, many years and is considered one of the most accurate kickers in NFL history. One of, but not the best, obviously. But uh, he is... He was a transcendent kicker for quite a few years, and it looks like Jerry's finally ready to move on. They're going to be going with some rookie as far as the kicker is concerned. And the last time I remember that happening was when Billy Cundiff was released from the Baltimore Ravens and some guy named, I don't know, Justin Tucker came along and just you know became the most accurate NFL kicker in history. So who knows what's going to happen in Dallas. Uh, the other major drop that uh, happened, speaking of drops, was uh, Brashad Perriman was released from the Baltimore Ravens roster today. He was a first-round pick a couple years ago. He was in the final year of his contract. They did not pick up the uh, franchise year option, or I should say fifth-year option for him. He had a few drop problems uh, over the years and injury concerns as well. But uh, he was told today that he was going to be have his – uh, release. They put the termination papers in front of him. They handed him the pen and he dropped the pen. So one more draft for Bashad Perriman. He'll probably get another shot somewhere. Who knows? New England will probably pick him up and make him the best damn receiver in the whole league again. 
uh, who, who knows at this point. And, and it was quite a disappointing career for Rashad Perriman. He had a couple touchdowns with the uh, team, but he was more plagued with drops and more plagued with injuries than any receiver I'd seen in quite a few years, especially on the Baltimore Ravens. I don't necessarily blame Rashad for all of that. He could have had better training from his coaching staff. We're not exactly uh, in Baltimore known for having a coaching staff that produces great wide receivers. We've never actually drafted a wide receiver that has become anything in the NFL. We've always gone out of our way to get veteran wide receivers that have been transcendent. We've never actually even sent a wide receiver to the Pro Bowl in Baltimore. Just thought you guys should know that. All right, now let's talk some exciting and rather unexpected news in the NFL today. Now, I woke up at the butt crack of dawn and I got a notification from Bleacher Report on my phone stating that there was a conversation between the Chicago Bears and the Oakland Raiders in regards to Khalil Mack. I'm like, yeah, right, that's going to freaking happen. And then a couple notifications later, I got, yeah, this is going to happen, apparently. So it looks like Mr. Uh, Khalil Mack has been sent over to the Chicago Bears, along with uh, some sort of mid-round pick, I believe a uh, a third rounder or something like that, in return for two first-round picks. And I am quite amazed at that. I did not think that John Gruden was going to deal him. That is the best player on their defense right now, probably the best player on their whole damn team. I mean, I'm looking at the depth chart right now for the Oakland Raiders. Bruce Irvin's probably your second best player on that team. I only recognize Gary and Conley's name on there because of the fact that he was drafted either last year or the year before, and he had some off the field issues. Gilchrist is an okay safety. Carl Joseph is an okay strong safety. Rashawn Melvin, wow, he's still starting in the league in some place. I remember he was on the team for the Baltimore Ravens and got torched by the New England Patriots. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of who's I don't even fucking know who half these people are, but uh, they just lost their best defensive end. He's going to be converted to an outside linebacker going to the three, four defense for Vic Vangio's Um Chicago Bears defense. Vic Vangio was retained, obviously, in this new transition from the uh, coaching staff from last year to Matt Nagy's coaching staff this year. Should be pretty interesting to see him join the linebacking crew there and see if he can start uh, disrupting players and whatnot. I'm not concerned about the Chicago Bears defense at this point. They got a pretty interesting 3-4 going on there. But I am more concerned about Chicago's offense than anything. I don't know what to get out of Mitchell Trubisky. And I mean, they, they've picked up a few wide receivers that are actually worth something. They didn't have anybody to throw the ball to last year. It was pretty piss poor situation. Their best receiver was a running back out of the backfield. I think he got the most uh, all purpose yards. But after that, they announced that they just made Bruce or not Bruce. Um, Khalil Mack, the highest paid defensive player in NFL history. So Aaron Donald got to hold that title for, let's say, uh, less than 24 hours, maybe a little more than 24 hours. He got to hold on to that. Now, it makes you wonder, should he have been paid more than Aaron Donald? They're both getting after the quarterback. They're both trying to stop the run. They're both trying to press in towards the offensive line, but one of them's uh, as, as far as uh, Khalil Mack is concerned, he, he can go out into coverage. He can uh, 
rush to the edge. He he goes up against tight ends. He goes up against running backs, fullbacks, whoever's trying to get in his way. He's trying to get out to the quarterback for the most part, but he can drop back into coverage. You don't see a drop back into coverage from Aaron Donald very often. This guy's trying to push the line no matter what. And he's trying to stop the run. He's trying to sack the quarterback and whatnot. So would you pay an edge rusher or would you pay a defensive tackle as far as more money? I, I I'm not sure I have the answer to that. They they both are transcendent players, and we're using that word a lot today. But these guys come from a draft class that are just it was an amazing draft class, and I I am not surprised that these guys are being paid the, the amount of money that they are, and I'm very happy for uh, all four of these guys getting their new contracts today, not today, but over the past week. It's it's been. An interesting week in the NFL and all within this past week. Deadlines spur everything, I'm telling you. So you're in the final week of the preseason. You got two players holding out. Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack are both holding out. You want them both to show up. So what do you do? You pay them. You have to. I mean, they're using their ultimate leverage here of holding out services. Now, I'm not sure if they would have held out services going into week one, because I know that Aaron Donald played this game last year and he showed up for week one just so he wouldn't get fined and wouldn't get the uh, first paycheck docked for a regular season game. That would have hurt him ultimately in his pocket. But uh, he's still got to answer some questions. Both of them have to answer some questions as far as why they didn't report to training camp, why they didn't report for mandatory minicamp. They might have to incur some fines. A lot of teams like to waive off those fines if they come up to a new deal. But I know teams like Seattle, they collect every penny of every holdout for every player. So Earl Thomas is still sitting out there. He's still not reporting to camp. He's uh, the free safety for the Seattle Seahawks. And I'm not sure how much longer he's going to be sitting out. It looks like as of today, there's no real interest from any other team in the NFL that is willing to give up the amount of uh, draft picks or the amount of players that Seattle Seahawks want in return to trade Earl Thomas. It still would hurt the team a lot to get rid of Earl Thomas as far as a cap is concerned. They would actually end up losing money on that. They would, so there would have to be some sort of deal there. I'm sure the receiving team would like to redo his deal and and uh, alleviate the cap some way or readjust the signing bonus from their base salary, put that in the signing bonus and spread it out over a couple of years. They would want to do something. And it's just a lot of moving parts on a moving car. And it's really hard to try to pull that off with Earl Thomas right now. And he's not showing up to camp right now. I'm not sure he was going to show up to week one because Cam Chancellor tried doing the same thing a couple years ago. He ended up showing up, I believe, around week three. And they made him pay for every bit of the fines that they had put on him. So Earl Thomas should expect the same. He's going to be sitting in the same position. And I'm not sure uh, how much longer he's going to be playing for the team, to be quite honest with you. That was a lot to talk about today. Um, we're sitting around 30 minute mark right now. I definitely uh, don't want to hold you guys up too much more. We're probably uh, next week. What's going to happen is I'm going to be going to the first uh opener against the uh, Buffalo Bills from from uh, Baltimore Ravens perspective. We're going to be at M&T Bank Stadium. I'm going to be uh, at the game. So I'm going to try to actually do some sort of live uh, podcast out there if I can. But if not, I'm, I'm just going to try to grab one of the uh, Buffalo Bills fans that are out there, try to interview them and try to get their perspective on how the Bills are doing. They talk about the culture of the team, talk about the history, you know, the, the typical stuff that we do here on the FAPT. 
but uh, I definitely want to do it from from the parking lot there. Uh, Chef Chad Wells is going to be joining us again and we'll have him come in and do some interviewing and we'll make everybody uncomfortable. Should be great. But thank you guys very much for uh, tuning in this week and I will see you next week.